I bet you weren't expecting an episode on a Tuesday since you just had one on Saturday, and I didn't screw up uploading the episodes. That is because today is my birthday, and I am determined to have one small thing that's funny while my country chooses between fascism and fascism light. Please enjoy this episode with Riff and Momo on Hamilton, an American musical, which is my birthday present that I am inflicting on all of you as well. I love you. Content warning. This episode contains mention of Lin-Manuel Miranda's negative impact on the Hurricane Maria relief efforts, discussion of the United States 2020 election, discussions of bestiality, discussion of Homestuck 2, Vriska, and Gamzee, mention of circumstances of dubious consent, discussion of American imperialism and slavery, and a gunshot sound at the end of the episode. Big thanks to Danny the Spoon Lord and Janiah Riley, our Masters in Hushian Analysis recipients on Patreon. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Our intro theme song, Sunbanger, is by at underscore tittle on Instagram. Our outro theme is by Jojo Funk McLovin, who can be found at funkmclovin.bandcamp.com. Enjoy the episode! Uh, what if, what if Lynn reads Homestuck? If it, okay, this is another reason we need to stop asking the McElroys to read Homestuck, because if they read it, don't ask them to read Homestuck. I know it's funny. I know it's a funny goof. But if it happens, then not only is Travis going to find out about Carcat. We can't let that happen. But <laughs> we can't let that happen. But then Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to read it. Oh, no! And then we're going to end up with Homestuck <gasps> No, musical. Griffin and Lin will talk about Vriska, and they'll have the worst, just the <laughs> worst takes. It'll be so bad. I feel sick. I can feel my organs failing, like, as a preventative measure. Like, they're trying to protect me. This is my body's, like, my immune system's only available response to this situation. It's just to, like, close shop. We're done. We had a good run here. Let's get the fuck out. Uh, Griffin Wilkin Vriska. Griffin is a John Egbertkin, if I've ever seen him Yeah, that's a problem, because then, then June, like, then starts, like, fixating on Vriska for reasons, and then I don't, I don't want to follow this train of logic to its conclusion. I've, I've seen, I've, what's in, like, a famous train disaster? What's the Hindenburg of trains? I've seen the Hindenburg of trains, I know where this is going. What's the Hindenburg of trains, Momo? I t- <laughs> I'll, I'll Google that after, and then we'll just splice it right in here, right now. What if Justin ends up Dave Striderkin? Uh, he is already, actually. Unfortunately. He will co- No, stop! Stop! Stop it! Stop it! Uh, uh. So as our cold open for the new episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, we are class-specting ourselves. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh. Will it My Brother, My Brother, and Me? Mm, I'm not- I don't- <laughs> I, I can't- We can't- we can't well at Homestuck, Mabim Bam, today. We have enough. Do, we ha- do you not think we have enough on our. Don't, don't, please. Burr, Burr, Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr. Okay, so do you have a joke intro ready to go? Oh, I'm I'm still eating I'm still eating a muffin, which I realize is like really stupid. I'm still eating um, while we're doing this. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm Momo. I'm here of my own volition. All right, we can use that. All right, I'm gonna start with my thing, and then you could just say your thing. My actual introduction. All right. Hi, I'm the gun pointed not at the sky, but directly at your ribs.
Do I do I have to have a better one that I'm a hero of my own volition? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, I get it. Like a smart, I'm so sorry. Like a smart thing about Hamilton. You can say whatever. You can also just say I'm eating a muffin. I'm eating a muffin. <laughs> and welcome to Will at Homestuck, a podcast where we put media in the Homestuck blender to see what comes out. I'm Riff, they, them, he, him. And you can find me at Antlered Council on Twitter or Skeletorific on Tumblr. I'm Momo, they, them. You can find me at Tumblr user Gamzy, not spelled how it sounds, on Twitter. Or you can check out Act Date on MS Paint Fan Adventures. I do that as well. And this week, unbelievably, we are covering Hamilton, or as we have taken to calling it, America 2 Beyond Canon. America 2 Beyond Canon, because that's what it is. Would you like me to start with with my explanation for this, this series of words? Yes, I would like you to explain how we got here. How did we get here? Well, how did any of us get here, right? That's that's the thing. Some of us were born. I crawled out <laughs> of the earth. <laughs> that's what you're calling it. That's what you're calling the the pits. <laughs> I, I understand. The process of my conception. All right. Because the thing about Hamilton is we can we can learn a lot about Homestuck through the lens of Hamilton and vice versa. Because these works, weirdly enough, have a lot in common. They're both product, like deep products of Americana and fandom and very strange phenomenon of like reading texts and, and how things happen. The, the key difference is, of course, that American history is not a, is not a text. It's a, it's, a, it's a things that people did, actual people. But but Homestuck is, you know, purely fiction, so it's a little bit safer to kind of start there and kind of work your way in um, and reflect on things. Because the interesting thing about about Hamilton, it's this, I'm going to call it a narrow view progressivism on the, the text, or the text that has been created when Lin-Manuel Miranda read that biography about uh, Alexander Hamilton. It's a narrow view progressivism of that where the, the mythology of that text was appropriated to speak on topics of, of revolution and immigrants' rights and, and things like that. You know, Lin-Manuel Miranda wanted to kind of make this his own thing and kind of move it in a new direction. But there's some problems with that. And it's the same problems that we are tending to encounter in Homestuck 2, beyond canon, right? Because the canon of both of these are drenched in, like, the legacy of Americana and Americans' like legacy of colonialism. And so we see ourselves having to be extremely negligent to certain patterns that occur like in both texts in order to do this, and the whole thing becomes extremely fucking Miku binder after not too long. I don't know if that was a good explanation, but it is what I just said to you. I think it is a good explanation, and I'm really looking forward to uh, becoming Miku binder entering English theory discourse in like 10 years. I want that just to be the shorthand. That should just be, like, the terminology. You should just be able to say Miku Binder, and then, you know, everyone's up to speed. If I ever actually get my doctorate, that's the first thing I'm doing, is putting of that in the Of course it is. God fucking <laughs> damn it, of course it is. <laughs> my academic career exists solely to punish you. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. Uh, in practical terms, uh, the reason this episode exists is I made a Hamilton class specting joke, and you, I got some I got some feedback, some notes. You did. Uh, some of them being, uh, "This is very bad," and also, "Here's another class specting joke." <laughs> and then we just kept joking about it, and it became real. It became real, much like the current presidency. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, hey, everybody listening on election day. I'm sorry. You are a month in the future from us. Uh, hope it went well. How'd it go? You okay? How you feeling? Did you vote? 
Did you vote? This is your reminder to go vote. All right, so before we get into our truly hexed work of classpecting the American Founding Fathers, uh, do we want to get into the summary? Yes, please. I think people need to be reminded, what is Hamilton? How is Hamilton? Who is? Why is Hamilton? When? <laughs> uh, in the, oh my god, I don't even know what year. I'm the worst. Before 17, okay, okay. So I can say this now because it's not my pin anymore, but for a long time, my pin for my credit card was 1781 because of the song, The Battle of Yorktown. <laughs> oh, 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 oh yeah. That's, a, that's another thing. I am not a neutral third party here. I have only recently reached a point where I can comfortably joke about Hamilton because I was in it. That's right. You were... You were the theater kid who was presumably around a bunch of patriots, aspiring theater kid around a bunch of patriots, where I've, yeah, I've, I've been a degenerate lesbian for a very long time now. So I saw it come out. I listened to the songs. Very catchy. Very catchy. I admit. Tapped my foot a little bit. Happened. Uh, but I very quickly, very quickly saw what was happening. So, so you will be my guide. You will be my, my Virgil through this. Through this Here's hell. my thing. Hamilton came out before I was an English major, but internally I've been an English major for a long time. And <laughs> you were born, you were shaped, born in the darkness, molded, molded by, it. by it. And the one thing they teach you in the darkness is if a man says words fast enough and in an order that one could remark it's clever, you have to care. You have to care so deeply. And I did. I cared so much. Oh, no. You don't. You, you don't, don't. You don't. This is important, all right? We're learning this about Le Man Miranda. I want listeners to learn this about Hussey, okay? We're going to detangle the clever economy. Uh, we're going to pop this bubble. All right, so let's just blitz through this real quick. We are introduced to 19-year-old Alexander Hamilton, recent immigrant from the Caribbean into the then-burgeoning American Revolution, hoping to make a name for himself through the military uprising. Upon his arrival, he meets Aaron Burr, the diplomatic graduate of Princeton, John Lawrence, aspiring abolitionist, Lafayette, a marquis hoping to import some of the revolutionary spirit back home to France, and Hercules Mulligan, a tailor with some peculiar feelings towards his horse. Joined by his new supporting characters, Hamilton begins to make a name for himself, both on the battlefield and off. His chance comes in the form of George Washington, who makes him his right-hand man. None of that is important, though, as it's time to get rich and get laid. Hamilton sets his sights on the Schuyler sisters, ultimately marrying the smitten Eliza even as Angelica pines from the background. Meanwhile, back at the Revolution, Hamilton's career is interrupted when he takes on a duel to defend Washington's honor against General Charles Lee, earning Washington's wrath and resulting in him being sent home to find out Eliza is pregnant with their first child. He is ultimately called back to participate in the Battle of Yorktown, resulting in a climactic victory that is not actually the climax of Act 1. We end Act 1 with the birth of Hamilton and Burr's children, Philip and Theodosia respectively, and a flash forward a few years to Hamilton's career as a lawyer in the aftermath of the war and ascent to the Secretary of the Treasury. Act 2, like Revelations, really kicks off with the arrival of the Antichrist. Thomas Jefferson returns from France to serve as the new Secretary of State, only to find himself horrified by the financial proposals of Hamilton. They duke it out in a cabinet meeting, styled as a rap battle, and it ends with Washington telling Hamilton it is incumbent on him to get the votes he needs. As a result, Hamilton stays home from his family vacation and meets Mariah Reynolds, a woman who he begins having an affair with, even after her husband James begins financially extorting him for hush money because Hamilton is a jackass. George Washington steps down at the end of his second term, transitioning America into the Adams administration. Hamilton has a famously contentious relationship with Adams, resulting in an even harder struggle to get his proposals through. 
he finally gets a compromise through by offering up the location of the capital in trade, prompting Burr to reflect on the power of being in, quote, the room where it happens, and kickstarting his interest in his own political career. Things finally come to a head when Jefferson, Madison, and Burr confront Hamilton about some irregularities in his financials, accidentally revealing his affair with Mariah Reynolds. They're sworn to silence, but because Hamilton has never heard of just taking the win and shutting the fuck up, he publicizes the entire sordid details in the infamous Reynolds pamphlet. Understandably, this drives a wedge between him and Eliza that is not reconciled until the death of their son Philip drives them back together, as well as dealing a fatal blow to his political career. Jefferson and Burr run against each other in the election of 1800. Jefferson ultimately wins, in no small part thanks to the endorsement of his old rival, Hamilton. Furious, Burr demands answers from Hamilton, only to devolve into an argument about ideals. Burr challenges Hamilton to a duel, Hamilton aims at the sky, while Burr does not, striking him between the ribs. Hamilton dies of his injuries. The musical closes on Eliza, assuring us that through her efforts, we will continue to have to hear about this man. Fuck. These men are so stupid. When we say not all men, we don't mean Hamilton. We don't mean- I don't say that. <laughs> I don't say it. I don't say not all men. Well, here we are. So, so okay. Let's start at the beginning. We got- we'll start with the uh, order of appearance. We'll kind of talk about, I guess, the story- and, and the people and, and their interactions. Because the very first, like, the, the core relationship to all of Hamilton is the, is the Alexander and Burr, like, dynamic. It's the start, it's the end, it's the, it's like the thread, the core of the story. Yeah, to be frank, like, I have some, like, intense classes in mind later, but I think we're going to find the axis of the story along Hamilton and Burr's relationship, because they kind of represent the two polarizing ideals of the play. Right, exactly. Do we want to just, I think we got to start talking about the man, the Manilton, Hamilton. Man Wegbert, if you will. Of the Alexander variety. So let's talk about this character. I, okay, we already kind of spoiled it for each other. Some of our opinions about, about this character. I think we very much agree on the light aspect. That's irrevocable. He can't shut up. He cannot shut the fuck up. And light has these associations with... Like, every aspect has a different way they gain power. Like, heart gains power through self-understanding, mind gains power through understanding of choices and through reason. Light, their, their way of rising up is through excess knowledge and through understanding the mechanics of the world that they are in. And Hamilton has always been about that profusion of knowledge. Mom's dead. Gonna read some fucking Mom's books. Mom's dead. Gonna read some books. I gotta read some books. <laughs> gonna be 14 and in charge of a trading charter. Yeah. I'm going to be in charge of that training charter. Something, something, self-starter, working a lot harder, working, being a lot. There was a, there was an old joke in the Hamilton fandom of yore, uh, which this is probably not the first time I'm going to reference said Hamilton fandom, but that, um, you know, on his home island of Nevin, people, like, people, like, shored up and raised some money to send him to the mainland so he could go to college. And there was a joke that the real reason they shored up all that money is because Hamilton wouldn't shut up. <laughs> so they were like, we gotta get this kid <laughs> off the island. Oh, uh, I, I want to make this unfortunately pretty fucking real right now. Because, like, Lynn, we have to, t we can't talk about Hamilton without talking about Lynn. 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 Buddy. Because, like, didn't... Like, he kind of really fuck up some relief effort shit, like, with, with, it's, it's Puerto Rico, right? Yeah, no, I don't have enough. And they hate him. Yeah. I don't have enough details on that to provide, like, an informed take on the situation, but yeah. 
I wanted to get the receipts before, but you guys kept me up until like 2 a.m. last night um, with with our clown wife. We had game so card to we talk were busy. about. We, we had, yeah, we were busy. But yeah, so vice versa, we can call him controversial. I think like that's a fairly neutral take. Exactly. And what we what we both know very much about is like how much Lynn re- related to Hamilton, and uh, this is another this is another thing where Hamilton is very clearly easy to understand through the Homestuck lens because it would be very it would it would be a lot better if he hadn't put himself in the cast if he had just written it. Right? This is this is a hussy problem. Yeah. Well, it's also just like, it's like the difference between, like, Dave Strider and Hussey's author self-insert. It's like, you know Hussey is getting some shit out through Dave, but, like, it's a slightly less egregious. Weird that you're settling on Dave. Dirk is right there. Are you, is there something you don't want to talk, uh, talk about we as a hard know, player? We don't have to talk about it, okay? We don't, we don't have to. We don't have to talk, okay, we don't have to talk about Dirk, okay? That's fine. That's fine. We don't have to talk about Dirk. That's okay, we don't have to do it. No, we don't have to talk about Dirk. No, I fixate on Dave because Dave is there for more of it. And I think he also, like, Dirk has more hussy traits overall, but it's like Dave has enough overlap that I think he was the vehicle for it for a while. Yeah, so Hamilton is very clearly, like, Lynn's vessel to occupying this story about the American Revolution and kind of making it, you know, about his sensibilities and his experiences. And unfortunately, I think we saw that kind of create some myopic sensibilities about the real world. So this is where we have to touch on the thing that started this whole thing. Hamilton is the Vriska. Yeah. Now, I did not make Hamilton. Don't be silent at me. Don't be silent. Don't make me take responsibility for this. This was your idea. I did not do this. Okay. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Leave me dry. The reference joke tweet was me saying, so Hamilton is for sure a thief of light, right? And it's just, he is, like, he's, moving aside the Vriska jokes and how, you know, Vriska wants to make everything about her, it's like, Hamilton's way of moving through the world is inexplicably manifesting relevance all over the fucking place. Often at the expense of other people, usually Burr, like, Hamilton is, Hamilton is just running around stealing all of Burr's relevance in, like, a Bugs Bunny-style caper. (laughs) Bugs Bunny and the fucking Miku binder now. No, okay? I'll kill you. Wait, no, that was Jefferson. <laughs> okay. You can fucking try. You can, you can fucking try. Okay, so uh, back to... So I actually gave Hamilton... Um, I decided to mix it up a little bit. And I went with Prince of Light. Okay. I went with Prince. Because I think, yeah, there is that kind of flavor of, of like this mission. Like the identity of the mission. Vriska's more flexible because she's the thief of light. She's willing to sort of like to to recontextualize like her her ambitions and her motivations. She still has the same underlying like I need this to prove to myself that that I'm I'm meant to be here. So I will do these things to kind of bolster like my faith in my own presence in this story and in this world. Whereas like Hamilton's just on the fucking mission and the his light aspect. What the fuck am I saying? Oh god! So his light aspect that is that is possessed, definitely possessed by Alexander Hamilton, founding father. God fucking damn, is what like he destroys so much. It's not just that he takes the the light destroys like his relationship with his wife. It 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 kills his son and eventually himself uh, because he can't shut up. Like he can't help himself. 
Uh, much in a in a sort of perhaps another relevant prince uh, might reflect on that. I don't know. We don't need to talk about it, though. Yeah, no, I can see it. Like, okay, so I'm reflecting back on uh, Hamilton's relationship with George Washington, in which George Washington is like, please let me give you relevance. Please let me make you important. And Hamilton is like, no, you don't understand. I have to get it in this really specific way, and it involves me dying. Like, he is really dead set on dying on the battlefield. <laughs> And that is very, um... That's, um, he's, that's some prince He's shit. Dirk Circuit. That's some, Dirk, he's Dirk Circuit. No! No! God. No! God. No! No! I don't want to hear those words next to each other! Oh, you're right, though! Okay. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. No, yeah, it's destructive. Like, it's so destructive. Well, and he is eventually destroyed by his own desire for relevancy. It's like he cannot stop himself from shoving himself back in the narrative. All right, leaving that horrific possibility behind, do we want to move on to Burr? All right, so this is another thing stemming from our mutual Twitter jokes of uh, Vriska Hamilton. But so the aspect we have assigned to Burr is minds. And the savvy in our audience are already making connections. Don't jump ahead. Stop. The tears will start later. Stop that. I see you there. Hey, you. Don't do that. The tears will start later. (laughs) There's time. There will be time later. But here's the thing about Burr. Within the confines of the play, he is primarily presented as being obsessed with choices and with his own control over his actions. Like, that's the whole idea behind Wait For It, is this idea of, like, I am in control of my own choices. I can chart my path ahead. I just have to find out what the right decision is. Uh, He's very logical and reasoned. He has a tendency to, like, hold back when other people charge ahead. And it's all just very mind, culminating in a destructive impulse for justice. Extremely mind. Extremely mind. I have changed my class pact a bit from when we were joking. I class packed him as an unrealized page of mind. Oh. Who, uh, near his moment of self-realization, just kind of has his light player shot out of the sky. After which he never really climbs back up. Interesting, because with a page, I tend to see the pattern of these relationships where, like, pages are getting advice from other people, a variety of people. They're kind of being counseled, and a lot of that counsel is usually very bad, and it's sort of up to them to choose, like, the correct decision to follow. But, you know, initially... Hamilton, you know, approaches Burr for the advice. Burr is seen as, like, this this figure that is very much ahead of other characters in a lot of way. He is, but from that point on, no one listens to Burr's advice. Like, Lawrence, Lafayette, and Mulligan all mock him. Uh, Hamilton leaves him behind pretty quickly within the confines of that song. After which, he's primarily relegated to an observing role, especially with uh, Hamilton, Jefferson, and Madison. I'm gonna say made of mind. And I'm going to say made because for maids, they seem to kind of like uh, serve their aspect more than their aspect serves them. Like he seems to kind of serve these these principles. He seems like very like he recognizes their, their value and he's very happy to kind of explain their virtues and, and sort of explain their virtues to other people. But like he never does quite like maids get weirdly stuck like, they do stall in their stories so often. And maybe it's just because Homestuck fucking sucks and, and Hussey's weird. But, like, I because that's what happens, right? Like, Aradia and, and Purim and Jane all kind of just stop. Yeah, okay. And also, okay, so the, here's the thing, my thing about maids is they're usually shafted into some kind of service role. 
But the issue is, like, a fully realized maid needs to find something that they can devote themselves to that is probably different than their initial service role. So, like, Aradia finds the ghosts in the dream bubble. She does not want to be a maid to Lord English, but what she does want to do is serve the ghosts in the dream bubbles, act as their spiritual guide to the afterlife. Jane does not want to serve the Condes, not really, but, like, you can make a decent argument for the fact that she wants to, like, act as a service role to her friends. She wants to be a life provider. She wants to take care of them. And so, yeah, I think you could argue for Burr as, like, a maid who never realizes what he believes in, and so does not figure out what he is yeah, supposed to be serving. To say, in the context of the story, Aaron Burr um, is is a, f- a failure of the example, like, of, of his class. Like, we're supposed to say that Burr is the like the the villain of of the story so to speak like we we show his perspective but he's supposed to be like ah oh, the damn fool that shot him meanwhile i'm clapping like go for it dude one less of you <laughs> one less of you assholes <laughs> one less no but it's like it's okay i'm going to give the hamilton the smallest bit of credit in that i think it is interesting to have the audience inserts like essentially our pov character because it's not hamilton like We are primarily getting Burr's take on the events of Hamilton's life also be the villain. And I think that is something interesting about Hamilton of like, we are firmly rooted in the antagonist. There was no need for these, these two guys to be antagonists towards each other. There's that same dynamic towards, you know, okay, look at the aspects. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Where this sort of like antagonism just, it's not necessary. And uh, once like it kind of like finally culminates in that, in that last confrontation, you know, Burr immediately regrets it. Cause you know, Hamilton was just so great. Hamilton was just so great, of course. So, oh, that real, oh. Anyways, I'm off to Texas to try to start a monarchy. <laughs> God, Burr was such a weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, Okay. Founding fathers were so fucking weird. Uh, um, yeah, America's bad. America, bad country. But yeah, I do like him as a maid and... Okay, uh, as a side note, Burr is the POV character is one of the many reasons why Hurricane as a song should not exist. We should not be allowed to see Hamilton's interiority. We should always be looking on him from the outside. We can get little narration moments, but like... That's the only song that's like Hamilton exclusively led and we shouldn't have it. I'm, I'm mad about it. I don't like the mindset of that song anyways. Like, I spend that entire song just furious at him. But it's like, it just, it shouldn't exist. No, anytime Hamilton talks, this musical, I'm like, wait, you you hear it. But then if you think about it for, like, more than a couple seconds, you're like, wait a minute. Oh, you're the worst. You're an asshole. So, it's just, it's more of that. It's not like we don't have it in other songs. I don't know enough. I don't care enough about Hamilton or about musicals. But I'm trying. I'm trying for you. (laughs) So you're all right. I will be the appointed Hamilton carer. Um, (laughs) Okay, so I think it is worthwhile, though, to because we touched on class now to talk about the uh, light mind relationship, because what we have created is a Scourge Sisters Hamilbur. Okay, the duel, the end. Definitely the coin flip. Definitely, that's it. That's it. That's it. That okay? Yeah. Okay. Is that? Do we have to? Do we have to do more? I think we have to do more. We can probably talk about how like okay. So I want to make a decent argument that light mind is the axis on which this story is taking place, which is interesting because they're both like they're both very intellectual aspects. They're both aspects associated with intelligence, with like verbosity, with a lot of like knowledge. 
I think the difference is mind is very focused on like the here and now and the motions an individual does with their knowledge, whereas light is a little bit more about like just accruing knowledge for knowledge's mm-hmm. sake. And having your story like, you know, re- um, it's retold, it kind of, it's it's reiterating of itself. Like there's there's the proliferation of, of the knowledge of the legacy of the legend. Uh, there's the, so much of Hamilton is about like this legacy. Hamilton's obsessed with his legacy. How, not just his actions, but how his actions will be understood by the future, right? So there's also that sort of dynamic, not just like, because Vriska's whole conceptualization, we are going to talk about Vriska, was through um, Mindfang's journal. That's how she kind of was able to conceptualize her own identity as if from like the future looking back on her, because she was kind of projecting herself into Mindfang in the past. So she was kind of seeing herself that way and not interpreting herself as a person in the moment who had real vulnerabilities and, and needs, but as this sort of like very distant characterizing lens um, that, you know, forced her behavior to, you know, turn out not really work for her or the people around her. Burr also talks about legacy a little bit. And like, he has a joking moment with Hamilton of like, did you hear that the general just died and they named a street after him? His legacy is secure. We should give that a shot, maybe. Which is a good little foreshadowing moment of, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> but, um... I'm gonna kill you, yeah. Because that's the thing, because Terezi is also very invested in, like, the whole ancestor thing. Terezi and Vriska are some of the only trolls who are very, very knowledgeable of their ancestors and very interested in it. I think Vriska and Hamilton are both very long-thinking characters. Like, they're more concerned with, like, not only is this, like, this is going to make me cool now, but people are going to be talking about me for years to come. Whereas Terezi and Burr are more concerned with, like, they're interested in legacy and they're interested in importance, but primarily as it concerns them as individuals. So it's not that Terezi wants people to tell the stories about Terezi Pyro, it's that she kind of wants to be live up to Red Glare's expectations, and Burr wants to live up to the expectations of his dead family members. Yeah, Burr's like talking about his parents, like these were their last wishes, this what they, they did, and he wants to kind of uh, li- live up to that and respect that. And I don't think this mind light thing uh, occurring in both, you know, because it's also a very key component of Homestuck, is the Scourge relationship. It's the backbone of Act 5. If Hussey had a brain, it would have, like, been more clearly, like, the backbone of, of, of Act 6 and stuff, just, like, suddenly deciding it was important again uh, in the retcon. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think this is something that they have in common as being very entrenched in Americana and, like, a very American values of, like, what makes people valuable to society and what are, like what's the pinnacle of American society and of American individuals? Cause I think it's, it's mm. very much kind of dealing with those, with those anxieties. Well, they're both very like self-made aspects. Exactly. Yes. You have to be, you have to bootstraps the timeline and yourself. And if, if there's anything that it maybe is external causing you a problem. Mm. No, there, no isn't. there isn't. Heart emoji. No, there isn't. Heart emoji. <laughs> All right. We're going to keep like, there are other characters that, uh, we get introduced to at this point, but I think we're going to keep it focused at least at first on the characters who stay the same person between both acts before getting into uh, the Lawrences and Madisons. All right. So the next character that stays the same uh, in both acts that we are introduced to are King George and George Washington. And I'm glad they're coming up together because I made their class specs related. Okay. I sort of did too. Who would like to shoot first? I would like you to go first because I would like mine to, mine is going to, my King George class back is going to hurt you. I'm, I'm ready. Okay, here's the thing. All right. 
So George Washington, I have, I have decided, clearly a blood player, clearly a blood player, a very successful blood player, fucking god fucking damn it, fucking god fucking damn it, America, Sylph of Blood. I went with Sylph of Blood because uh, George Washington, like, uh, puts in the effort to kind of, like, facilitate the aspect among the other people, uh, as you were talking to me earlier, because yes, we did pregame this, uh, leading by example more so than, than anything else seems to just sort of like embody the aspect a lot and and that is just going to kind of create the conductive environment to the revolution right so i, I went with that I, I i gave him some self energy and then with king george here's okay my opinion is that king george is very clearly like he's not the hussy because lin-manuel miranda is is the hussy but he also is the hussy. He's the cartoon hussy. King George is very clearly like the cartoon hussy of this situation. He shows up um, in things that kind of feel like intermission songs. He's never actually interacting with any character specifically. He just comments on things. His songs serve as recaps and he's fucking insufferable. And I hate his stupid fucking coat thing he's wearing. And he's the worst. And also like a lot of his characterization is like his songs are wrote, written as um this like cloying breakup song uh, about his ex and then every time hussy's on screen he's being extremely fucking weird to briska or he wants to a horse or he was gonna date cronus or whatever so i think king george is a waste of breath to play off george washington's uh self of blood and i think um that he's the cartoon hussy and that's my opinion okay okay interesting interesting Okay, uh, so we'll start with we'll start with George Washington. So George Washington is the single biggest character in this play, by which I mean his like introduction and exit is given so 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 much weight. It's like he is a cruci- ten feet tall, weighs a fucking ton. Yeah, no, he <laughs> he is a giant of a man who like his saves the children. But not the British children. If, if Jefferson is the Antichrist, then t- uh, uh, George Washington is, and I finished that sentence there. Um, <sighs> okay, yeah, no, that's, that's all right. You can keep going. Okay, so uh, his existence is heralded by a very interesting line of the moment you've been waiting for, uh, which I drew as a parallel to a Homestuck concept of he is already here. His existence predominates, like, the stage for every second he is on stage. Like, he is revered as this figure of absolute authority. Even when he's not on stage, as long as he is conceptually nearby, conversations tend to turn on him. So I put him as a lord. As far as aspects go, he his, like, major song, like, his primary song is um, History Has Its Eyes on You and One Last Time. Both of which, like Hamilton, are very concerned with the idea of legacy. However, they're primarily, it's primarily backwards looking. It's this idea of like, my actions have already been set in stone and I cannot control how people, like, it is important to craft how history will see me, how like time will treat me differently. I have to be looking towards future generations and I also have to be looking at my past mistakes to contextualize them. I have to control my own narrative. I have classpected him as a uh, lord of time. Which uh, ties into my King George class fact. Oh, no, okay. Uh, King George is a character with- I'm a, with you so far. Yeah, with a very uh, minimal amount of, I'm gonna say screen time. It's stage time, technically, but it's screen time. His words 
have some sort of weird impact on the story where it's like, even though they are not directly overheard by many characters, they often serve as like the antagonistic inspiring force that propels the narrative forward of this guy said these words. So we have to do all this work to, uh, as a result of his words, Mm -hmm. he is presented in a lot of large empty stages where nobody else is around him. (laughs) I have put him as a muse of space. I have given him... Oh, fuck off. I have given okay. him the alt calliope. No. no, the fuck off, though. Okay, but the thing... Yeah, here's the pro... The cherubs are British. Calliope is British, though. Calliope is British, though. Calliope's British, though. And so is Caliborn. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. That's... Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is that... I'm, I, I'm, I'm very upset. But here's also another thing about why you're correct. So... So, George Washington was also, like, at one point British, right? Like, I mean, they're a British colony, right? Like, that's that's the revolution. Yeah. So, uh, what Caliburn does is he... No, it's it's really uh, Calliope that's more, more interested in sort of having a re- revolutionizing, like, her identity and how she's going to want to, like, adjust to the sort of chair of patterns of society. She wanted to solve it in a different way. Uh, but Caliborn doesn't just break, like, he, he he breaks from that. He doesn't, like, consume the, the sister's half of their brain in the normal way. He completely breaks from it. He also just violates all the, the entire agreements of Paradox Space and becomes, like, the the guy on, on the throne of it. Let's be honest, if anyone was gonna, if any culture was gonna tell Caliborn's story in a way that made him look like a good guy... It would be America, because, again, Caliborn is a very self-made man. America, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a lot- oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Which contextually makes, uh, George Wa- I'm now just picturing George Washington's cabinet as the felt. Oh, no. Okay. Like, I'm telling you, this is not a coincidence, all right? This is about America. This is about America. This is about America. I, no, okay, you're, I hear that, but you're right, because, like, now, if you look at what Lord English is in Homestuck, he's a symbol of, like, the, uh, the legacy of America being actually very nasty and complex, right? And, like, waking up to that. And here's, here's what I want to, I don't know if it's time to talk about the Battle of Yorktown yet. Maybe we'll save this, because we haven't talked about the Shiler sisters yet. So maybe we'll come back to this. This is a fun little foreshadowing moment okay, for me. Okay, yeah, we can do that. So we're only doing two Skylar sisters because my apologies to the 2016 Hamilton fandom, but if Lin-Manuel Miranda cannot be bothered to write Peggy a personality, I'm not going to do the work for Get him. Get fucked, dude. Get fucked. Um, so uh, do we want to start with Eliza or Angelica? I think I think Eliza deserves... I think it's what Angelica would want. So let's let's put let's put Eliza first here. I want to hear yours first. Okay, I'm a little bit I'm a little less certain on Eliza's aspect, honestly. She was tricky for me because the issue is all women in Hamilton are written by their they're relationship the same, to they're the same. Oh my they're god. They're the same and they're all Aaron Sorkin women. So, but I did put her as a sylph. Uh, the thing is like Eliza is all about restoration. Like she tries to bring healing to Hamilton, but primarily what she does is restores Hamilton's legacy after he does his level best to shoot it in the foot. Oh good. Uh, thanks, Eliza. <laughs> Self of Light gives us a double situation and also gives her the Arania, and we've got too many circuits right now. But there's a lot. We it's not it's not okay. They'll start fighting. They're like beta fish. You can't do that. It's not. It's just irresponsible circuit um, husbandry. Okay, so what was yours for Eliza? I I gave her uh, the seer, 
and I gave her Seer because she seems to... There's a lot that she she does, like, in the situations where Hamilton is doing... I know, it is very restorative, but but it's. I think it's because she can kind of sense, like, the the impact it's going to have, you know, before it happens. And it's interesting because this may just be that this is a very time aspect story, but she also, like, discusses this, this idea of, like legacy and a lot of her songs are about about time like could you take some time off could you come here because i understand what's going to happen if you don't i understand the value of this and i'm trying to explain to you the value of this and at the end she's explaining to us the audience like the value of of time and of and of history time that she had and she was able to use that because she she was like she she had the understanding of it so i kind of gave her seer just because she she uses her understanding of time not just for her own betterment but like to to help it help other people as well she helps you know the orphans get more time this is still more like self stuff but I think it's like there there is still like the the good sensibility that that she has about things mm-hmm so I try to give her a seer of time position okay I like that and Man, okay, we keep doing uh, Hamilton Vriska comments, but Vriska brushing off a seer's insight is a... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And also, uh, it, weirdly enough, there is like a hint, like there's an implied relationship of trust between Eliza and Washington, if only because it is Eliza writing to Washington that gets him to send Hamilton home. And I, I don't know, I think a shared aspect kind of helps uh, explain that for me a little bit. Like, they implicitly trust each other's insights because they are working with the same so principles. there we go. Poor Eliza, by the way. The character. I don't know anything about the, the person. This is a goddamn problem with this whole thing. Uh, wouldn't let bastard orphans into the orphanage. Oh. Uh, so, mm. you know. Alright, that's not good. Angelica. Angelica. I projected a little too hard onto you in my youth. Oops. Um, don't do Oopsies. that. Okay, so I'm revising my class back for her a little bit because I initially had her as a maid, but I do think that's a little bit more fitting for Burr. Tell me how you feel about Angelica as a witch of blood because the primary role that Angelica serves in this play is to serve as like the manipulation of relationships in a very like positive Jade Harley kind of way. Oh. Of I will set up this relationship. Like I am aware that my relationship with Hamilton cannot work for any variety of reasons. So I'm going to arrange these relationships in such a way that it benefits the most people while just casually ignoring the fact that I am being left out of the happiness. And later on, uh, when Hamilton, like this song was cut and you may not be familiar with it, but uh, they had a whole song dedicated to Angelica's reaction to finding out about the Reynolds pamphlet called Congratulations. I did. Someone included that in the re-listen that I did. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I am. I remain furious it was cut out because kept Hurricane, but not this. And I really hate Hurricane so fucking badly. But it's within that she also continues to manipulate Hamilton and Eliza's relationship, saying that you need to give my sister a better life. Like, you are not getting out of this. I am going to make your relationship better because fuck you. And yeah, no, I think it's a very like Jade Harley, I can do it myself and I'm going to make everybody happy. Whoopsie, forgot about me kind of energy. I had, I accidentally had two mages, but I realize now which of heart uh, is, is it, it just works. You know, it just works. It just works. Yeah, I, I don't, I think we're actually in perfect agreement on this one. I don't have to add much. Oof, I was going to go mage originally because uh, there is, there is that same sort of, and I wanted like maybe the, 
the the sisters are like a seer and a mage because that's kind of cute. Okay, you know what? I actually I do like that better because like mages like where they suffer is from blind spots, and Angelica is very certain she has everything figured out. But it is a little bit you did set up your sister with a man who you were pretty sure was going to cheat on you. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Where? Yeah. And as a witch, like, where's the animal familiar? Where is the... Where I was going to make an argument for uh, Peggy as the familiar. But <gasps> no! Oh, oh. I can't, I can't do why, that to her. Why have done this? <laughs> well, Peggy's just dead in Act 2 and... They're, okay, dead? okay. Does she... Uh, what? Oh, yeah. she died? Oh, no, she, she died of disease in the intermission. They didn't even mention that? They don't even well, say anything. Okay, so there's like a little like line in... Uh, I think it's called Take a Break. Where, uh, like, she runs up to her and she's like, By the way, my sister's dead. No, no, we don't even get that. What we get is, like, a repeat of, like, the Angelica Eliza. And then there's just a pause. Oh. oh. <laughs> and then Hamilton comes in with the Skylar sisters. <laughs> just, it's it's comedy. It's just, I laugh every time. <laughs> a little pa- awkward pause. There's so many little moments where I just fucking burst out laughing at this thing. There's like the this the corny shit. What's the one um, in Right Hand Man? Which is the pow. Like I can't handle it. I get really upset. Um, and at the very end, uh, the, the the choir, the gentle choir, singing the orphanage. Like and they sing it the multiple t- multiple times. <laughs> and I I can't do it. I can't do it, Reef. Why is this so corny? It makes me laugh. It makes me happy. Um, <laughs> in a way that was not intended, but it uh, is there. Oh God, I think I think as the sisters. I mean, we could talk more about them as we get through the through the whole situation. But yeah, yeah. I think okay. So, do you want to talk about the Battle of Yorktown before we get into like the assorted uh, trade off? I would love to talk about the Battle of Yorktown because because here's the thing. So, if we're looking at what what the scratch is and what Cascade is. We'll start with Homestuck. So it is like dividing Homestuck into two halves. One half just tends to be most of the story. That's fine. Don't worry about it. But symbolically, what the scratch is, continuing this read of Homestuck as Americana, the scratch kind of resembles this point of no return where the characters now recognize at some level that like their history and their society as it exists is untenable, and the scratches this moment and cascade is this moment of apparent triumph over that, where they choose to cross the threshold and they've now moved into the the second half where they are have a new awareness of their sort of their situation and ideally are, are moving forward to like reconstruct from that new realization their new relationship with the premise of Homestuck. And the premise of America, so to speak. And so Battle of Yorktown is the cascade of Hamilton. So after that, like, what we see also is that the narratives recontextualize. These are no longer, like, young, scrappy, and hungry. They're fucking dads. Uh, characters are reframed. So there's, like, now we've got new characters like Philip and Theodosia, who, who doesn't even exist in this story, which is unfortunate. W- what's she up to? I don't know. Lawrence Lafayette and Mulligan are the beta kids. And <laughs> Jefferson. Are they? Are they? Oh, and no. And Jefferson, Madison, Mariah, and Philip are the alpha kids. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. Okay. 
All right. Oh, fine. I was gonna. I was gonna say that like now in the post scratch, like Hamilton is now like the guardian of Philip, and they have to also deal with the kind of the responsibilities of that. It's it's Homestuck does this this reappearing metaphor of like intergenerational relationships and tensions that scales up and down into like all the way down into like cellular mitosis and all the way up into universes kind of in a reproduction cycle and somewhere in the middle is both like interpersonal generational frictions and like large-scale national like histories and legacies and things like that Mm -hmm. so yeah but i don't have to like it yeah i don't have to i don't think any of us have to like it we're not here to like things we're not here to like what we're doing today Mm -hmm. yeah we're not doing a part two because god forbid but like no if we were no 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 no. yeah i just i just need everyone to know the cascade is the is the scratch and that's why we do have to admit battle of yorktown goes pretty hard yeah unfortunately does go kind of hard it goes pretty hard there was a reason it was my pin number for a while that's the problem with hamilton like i said lynn has this extremely narrow skill set that worked for a lot of people because like if you just look at it that's extremely myopic slice you won't notice that you're in hell but you are you are in hell and i need people to understand that the same thing is true of homestuck but that's okay it's okay to be in hell it's okay to be in hell Hell is open. All the devils are here. America is hell. And you all listening to this in a post-election world will agree with me. I hope. Whatever the result is. Yeah, whatever the result is. It's still America. Congratulations. We're America too, beyond canon. Welcome to Earth (laughs) Sea, baby. (laughs) Yeah, Hamilton's just, it's beyond the canon of America. It's trying to just sort of... Alexander Hamilton went ultimate and decided oh my god yeah dark circuit it's very revisionist dark it's circuit. very revisionist dirt stop it stop <laughs> it uh okay act two tell me about it you've mentioned that characters are different in act two and i i don't i don't know enough to know what you mean so please extrapolate okay so uh we've got an issue with okay so hamilton is like a very tight cast and part of that is that uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda decided, okay, so we've got some characters who are important in the first half of Hamilton's life but aren't really reoccurring in the second half, and we've got some characters in the second half that aren't necessarily present in the first half. So what if we just recast the actors? And they're specifically done along lines of, so there's some parallels between the characters that are recast, and you can tell that within the first song when they're going like, me, I blanked for him. Me, I blanked for him. Mm, mm. So we've got the Lawrence and Philip Hamilton in actor. He plays both uh, his friend John Lawrence and his son Philip Hamilton. And he says, me, I died for him. And then we've got Lafayette and Hercules Mulligan, who also played Jefferson and Madison, and say, we fought with him. And that takes on a double meaning oh. of they fight alongside oh. him as Lafayette and Mulligan, and they fight with him as Jefferson and Madison. And so, okay, Janiah was making this joke earlier when we were pre-gaming about uh, Lawrence is Philip's ancestor, but like, it's not oh far off in terms of God. how I want to class-spect them in that they inherit they similar are. themes. They're the ancestors. <laughs> no, they're the, they're the no, they're the scratch. Oh shit! They're the scratch version. They are the post. Which is why I want to open up with my like Lawrence and Philip are the only ones I had really strong class specs for. 
And mm-hmm. so I wanted to introduce this theme of like, same aspect, different class takes, cross actors. So with Lawrence and Philip, Doom player, obviously, first of all, just for like the death coding, like they're the two characters who die, like we see it happen. But it's also, uh, in Lauren's case, uh, Doom has a lot to do with oppressive systems. It has to do with, like, things that are built into our society that are actively harming us. And in Lauren's case, that is literally the enslavement of African-American people. And he is an abolitionist, and that is his primary focus. So what I see is Lauren's as a prince of Doom. He is attempting to bring destruction to these systems and is ultimately destroyed himself. And Philip as an heir of doom, he acts as his father's heir in terms of, like, he he mentions he has his father's looks and his father's brains, which is another instance of Lin-Manuel Miranda being really insistent about how hot Hamilton is. God! But he... Dunk on this man! But he inherits the death of the... The Lawrence Philip actor. And also we can talk about Doom's relationship with Light as the opposite of the aspect wheel. Philip suffers a short life and no legacy, which is his which is his real inheritance from his father's bad dueling advice. This really works. Now, I might have some I have something a little different, but for all the same reasons. It's very strange. I have and this was an accident because I did not realize the Philip Lawrence thing, but I had them both as rage players. Okay. And Philip was the page of rage because he gets this bad destructive advice and you know and it ultimately destroys him uh but he's very concerned about the truth and setting the record straight and like he you know he 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 acts you know out out of a sense of of justice and anger in the duel that gets him killed and i had lawrence as a knight of rage for all the same reasons because rage can very much be the aspect of revolution and of the troubling components of a society that no one else really wanted to address that's totally fucking inappropriate to talk about the founding fathers because they're a bunch of jackasses but like in in the context of this if we want to say that this is an abolitionist character even though it's extremely i think we're probably very revisionist of american history we would have you know a night of rage to like the the defending of this sensibility and for for the benefit of others so i have uh, lawrence and philip as as a knight and page of rage i really should have done like read the wikipedia articles like i said i was gonna do because i don't know i don't know yeah no i think from what i understand lawrence actually was like very sincere in his attempts for abolition like i comparable to the rest of the founding fathers he actually walked the walk good Good job then, buddy. Like, congratulations. Okay. Like, you know, you <laughs> not as big of a jerk as you could have been award. Not as big of a jerk as you could have been award. I do like the rage thing. I guess it depends on whether we're seeing more captor or Makara energy off of him, <laughs> off of them. Um, yeah, well, you can't really trust, you can't really trust Homestuck with its Makara energy. You cannot. Because I think the same, yeah, because like the reason... If you are going with my read of Homesick as Americana, the reason it's so fed up with rage is because, like, rage is such a scary principle to American society. We hate the rage aspect in American society. We really fucking hate it. I don't. I love it. I like to cause problems on purpose. I like when people are upset about America because it's bad. But but that's me, like, being a rage advocate because that's that's my aspect. This is I your like brand. It. And as... This is my brand. I've got to stand the brand. Stand the brand. We are content creators. You yeah. will consume what we. <laughs> I'm a brand stander. <laughs> so now's a good time to talk about New Game Plus. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I'm. But it is going to be very good. Is the thing. New Game Plus is going to be very good. Okay. Um, don't mind me cracking my knuckles. I'm not threatening you. 
you're a little bit listeners you're a little i'm a little threatening (laughs) you're a little bit okay i can see rage here's my thing is like the thing about rage players is the story they're in never really appreciates the critiques they have to bring against their society because they Mm -hmm. are also necessarily critiques they bring against the narrative i don't know lawrence's narrative is inherently very sympathetic to him because like you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a 21st century writer who also does not like the institution of slavery. Not not as big a dick as he could have pause been. Pause for Good applause. Job. Round of applause for Lin. Not, does Round not support slavery. <laughs> and so I, like, I understand, like, I think if this were the actual founding fathers in a situation in which we would ever, 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 ever class back to the actual founding fathers, I would agree with you as a rage player. However, as it stands, with the narrative being as sympathetic to him as it is, I think Doom hits for me a little bit more. I'll, I'll buy that. I think that does make sense. You are right. Unfortunately, uh, Rage players can't get respect. They can't, which is why, uh, yeah, my Mariah... Gamers of society. Yeah, which is why uh, my Mariah Reynolds class fact is going to be um, interesting. <gasps> okay, all right, we'll get there. Don't worry. Okay. Oh my god, okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, let's go uh, next with the Lafayette-Jefferson connection. Oh, okay. Okay, so this one's tricky. I I don't have a class back for Jefferson because I don't like him. I don't like him either. But I did have Lafayette as a Knight of Breath because Lafayette is really concerned with, like... So he's Sonic. You, he's you Sonic. made him Sonic. He's kind of... I mean, he literally has done the fastest rap in Broadway history, which... <laughs> Yeah, no. It's not a high bar to cross, but, like, thank you, David Diggs. But no, he, uh, he plays a lot of, like, the traditional knightly roles. Like, he's got a lot of, like, classical hero coding for the little screen time that he does get. He's just very French, and I think that is, should be considered a knight trait. <laughs> and, uh, primarily what he services is freedom, but also... We're gonna canonize French Carcat, everybody. French Carcat is real, and he is among you today, in your home. Look behind you. It's French Carcat. <laughs> I uh, just I shuddered. But you could also do something with, like, the literal wind of, like, primarily Lafayette's contribution is the ships from France. And, like, they're, it's a minor subplot, but they are kind of viewed as this expectant thing of, like, one day the ships will get here and that'll be help to us. So you could do something with, like, the literal wind being serviced for, it's being serviced by Lafayette and serving Lafayette. Yeah. Okay. I can get into this. And then Jefferson, I want to give him a destructive class just because I think he's such a dickhead. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Prince of Breath, maybe, but we're dealing with a lot of princes, so I'm a little bit hesitant on that one. Okay. Let me help you out. Let me help you out here. So uh, what I had, and I think I'm going to revise it, my very first ones without kind of the deep appreciation of Hamilton (laughs) the fucking musical that uh, you're installing here into my brain, and I will never forgive you, is Thief of Hope... For Lafayette. Oh my god. <laughs> and Bard of Doom for Jefferson. Okay. I picked up on some Bard vibes. Okay. I really did. So, but here's the thing. If we make, we can consolidate, we can give them, because they're like pre and post scratch, we can give them the same aspect. We could maybe give them both hope or both breath or both, um, I like not hope. doom. because I like hope because hope is very like scientific. Jefferson Cronus. Jefferson Cronus. We find we did it. We unlocked Homestuck. We did it. We did it. It's done. It's done. It's over. Don't worry, everyone. You're safe now. You're safe. We did it. We fixed Homestuck. Okay. I like 
I like it. Um, could I interest you in Rogue of Hope Lafayette? Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Just because, like, that that is a huge thing for him. Like, he wants to bring hope back to France. Like, he wants to go inspire some rebellions yeah. in France. And, and he, it's very tragic, because he absolutely fails. Mm-hmm. Well, and gets imprisoned. I mean, yeah, he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't get the stuff that he was promised, because, you know, America's like, oh, that's nice, it's really nice, but uh, we've got some issues over here right now. There's a moment where Jefferson looks directly at Hamilton and says, did you forget Lafayette? And uh-huh. the fact that they're played by the same actor does make that very funny to me. It's like, bro, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm satisfied. We don't have to kill each other with pistols. Yet. Yet. There's still time. Okay. So we've got two more. We've got Hercules Mulligan and Madison who are like connected and we've got Peggy and Mariah. Which one do we want to do first? Oh. I want to save Peggy and Mariah for last because we had to make a decision before we started this and I feel like we're going to need to like do the countdown and say it both at the same time because I'm getting like nervous energy about what it is I think with Mariah. So let's start with I've been waiting to talk about him all day, Hercules Mulligan, because you have a particular take on Hercules that I have the benefit of knowing beforehand and I'm I'm ready to die. I would like you to tell the audience what you've done to me. I think he's hussy. I just think he's hussy. A horses crucial. Cannot overlook. Impl- implied fucking of horses. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Four sets of corsets. Is there one on each leg? Is there one? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? All right. Is that it? Is that what I? Because <laughs> you know it's like okay, women wear a lot of corsets, or maybe there's four women, or maybe there's just one on each leg. Like if a horse wear corsets, would it be like this or like this? P- please picture the meme <laughs> with like the dog in the pants. Four sets of corsets. No, Momo, you put it. You can't put this into the world. I'm gonna die. Um, and I'm the one making. <laughs> you me- did this. No, you okay, did this. You but, invited me here. So okay, but secondly, Hercules Mulligan pulls out some like Deus Ex Machina shit of like we need some information from the Brits. Who so who gave it to us? And then Hercules Mulligan just bursts out of the back of the room to hype up his own minimal <laughs> accomplishment. Which to me is the same as like Andrew Hussey throwing that ruler out into Homestuck to be like, this will be my only contribution, I swear. <laughs> okay. So I, he's the Hussey. This, as much fun as I'm not having with this, <laughs> I, I need to tell you that a special thing happens when Mulligan and Madison are Zahawks. Okay? <sighs> No, you're right. I am. You are. I was thinking about your right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, I just need to know which one is the heir and which one is the whatever the fuck uh, Horace was. I can't care about Horace. I I find him repulsive. Horace is a page. Page? Really? Yeah. I don't. Like, I, I don't think that works for either of them. Maybe Horace. Yeah. It doesn't. It wicked does not. But I think we can. I do like Void for them just because they are just such an absence of present. Like Hercules gets his moment and then like evaporate. Yeah, and he's spying on the British government, taking something, something, documentation, documents, information, and smuggling it. So, that's some, that's some Void content. Yeah. How do we feel about him as a thief of Void? Yeah, let's do it. We don't have a thief yet, because we 
Prince. We won't let Hamilton. We Dirk circuited. <laughs> we Dirk circuited. So Thief of Void, Hercules Mulligan. I like it because he does that. That does help that big moment where he's like, "Ha! Look at me! I did this one thing. Goodbye." It's it's that like the relevance and like the not being on the stage and then kind of being on it and that way that the spotlight kind of like isn't on this guy, but it is for a moment and the sort of I think there's some thief energy there as well somehow that I'm picking on. I'm having a hard time describing it, which I think is also void voidish, right? Yeah. Let's that's not a cop out. That's not me making any excuses for myself or wanting to move the fuck on. How about Madison? Tell me about Madison. I don't understand Madison. I think Madison's tricky because Madison is primarily there as a supporting character. I think you can make a decent argument for Mage, but this is primarily drawing from historical context. Like, A, he was one of the contributors on Hamilton's 8 million constitutional essays. So he is knowledgeable. Uh, B, okay, so you know at the start when they won't let Hamilton do the accelerated program at Princeton? Mm -hmm. Well, the reason they won't let him do that, and it's not in the play, but it is historical fact, the reason they won't let him do that is that program was so intense that it drove a student to a mental breakdown, and that student was James Madison. (laughs) (laughs) So that, to me, speaks to suffering as knowledge. Oh, Oh, no. Okay. Do we have two mages now, or is that... Oh. No, because uh, we had uh, Angelica as a witch, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, let's... Also, like, we're not doing a witch. session. We don't have to worry about doubles. I am. I am. I'm making this... I'm making this solid. Okay. Rock fucking solid. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I hate it so much. Okay. Yeah, that works. We got a major void for Madison. I'll work with that. And Thief of Void for Hercules Mulligan. I gotta say, I do... I do like... I do enjoy the auditory experience of Hercules' moments. Like, yeah, it's fun. it's great. I like it. it. It's, I love its punchy energy. It gets you so pumped up that you forget for a minute that this is the guy who fucks his horse. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, okay, no. Oh, man. Why, Lynn? Why, hussy? We need... I want... Okay, you know how I mentioned the beta fish with the circuits? I feel like we could possibly orchestrate a similar situation with Lin-Manuel Miranda and Hussey if we played our cards right. I don't think- I think if, like, they existed in the same space, they would not die. But we would. God damn it. You're right. I'm being naive. Yeah, no. we They would not be allowed to, because they have dark work to get to. Oh, god damn it. Okay. They two keep each other alive. They're ch- Lin-Manuel Miranda and Andrew Hussey are a part of the same cherub, and one has to eventually predominate <laughs> over the other. I was gonna say they're like mutual horror cruxes, but you just kind of went there. Well, we- oh my god, but George and King- oh my god, George Washington and King George cherub. Right? This goes back. Oh yeah, no. Oh my god. Oh, oh my god. No. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. George is six letters long, too, isn't it? I know that's not a cherub thing, but I'm starting to become very upset with you. <laughs> They're both named George. It's a cherub named George. And so. <laughs> if we get fan artists, I'm killing you. I have no other option. <laughs> I have to write the wrong. Oh, well, now you have oh. to draw the fan art is the thing about it. <laughs> no, please. Please. You're going to can- in Act 8, you're going to canonize my fan cherub named George. Oh, no. Glenn. Oh, no. Oh, no. And Caliborn is like, this is my other best cherub friend, George. <laughs> best cherub. Yeah, George was real the whole time. 
Like, they just had a friend named George that they would talk to, who's also from Universe C. And Calliope's like, ah, yes, of course, George. (laughs) Rock's like, fucking George? What? (laughs) Calliope, who's George? Calliope, who's George? Who's George? (laughs) Who's George, Calliope? Calliope? Who's George, Calliope? She's not answering, she's just smiling. Calliope, the thing about this is, who's George? Who's George? Okay. Uh, okay. Oh my god. Peggy and Mariah. Okay. I know you said you didn't want to do anything for, for Peggy. But I think we can figure it out. I think we're figuring something out. I, I have an idea, because it's relevant to the scratch and to Cascade, and it's all going to tie together into a beautiful, horrible thing. Do you want to perhaps count down and then we both say out loud who we think Mariah is? Because I... I'm getting a vibe here that maybe we think Mariah is the same person. Okay. We'll find out. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll try. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Gamzee. She's the Gamzee. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she is the Gamzee. She's the Gamzee. She's the Gamzee. Oh. She's the Gamzee. And that means Peggy is the pre-scratch, like, act five Gamzee. Okay. God. Oh, my God. Yes! It's just like she said, like, again, like I said, Rage, like, the narrative cannot appreciate Rage's critiques because Rage is inherently counter to the existence of the narrative. It's like, Rage cannot brook narrative. It, like, it inherently sees it as a thing that marginalizes. And the narrative has to marginalize Mariah. Like, we're allowed to feel a couple of drops of empathy with her, but we are primarily meant to see her as this antagonistic force that insidiously comes in to wreck Hamilton's life. Mm-hmm. She is the moment, like, after that, everything just keeps un- fucking unraveling for Hamilton. And it's somehow still blamed as, like, her fault. Like, her song is all, like, very slinky and seductive. Like, she, like, she's responsible for this somehow. No, she fucking isn't. <laughs> he made that choice. Like, everyone's choices, like, come back to this poor woman. It's like, and here's the thing, like, even if she was not, like, part of a scam to extort him for money, he should not have been sleeping with her. Not just because he's married, yeah. but because he was a public official that she came to for help, and he slept yeah. with her. Like, it is an abuse of power. And and she's just there for, like, that, and we never see her again. Like, we don't talk about her, we don't talk about what happens to her, like, after that. We don't know, we don't care. They live, the stories are like, hey- calls her a whore leaves well there's also like she's the ophelia of this whole goddamn thing and gamsey's also yeah okay so two things one james ronald is doc scratch in all of this in that he is allowed to share a little bit of the blame but like ultimately the narrative still comes around too but yeah but why didn't mariah just kind of girl boss her way out of it i don't know (sighs) why didn't she just not be why didn't you just not become an an object like in the ma- imaginations of these evil like malintentioned dudes? Why didn't you just not? Mm-hmm. And B, okay, so this is where I'm bringing in a little bit more historical context because the, here's the thing about the Reynolds pamphlets is it was released at this politically tempestuous time in Hamilton's career, and it was seen by many as this desperate move to bail out. And there are more than a few historians who theorize that there never, like, really was a Mariah Reynolds in his life. And he made the entire thing, because people have read Mariah's letters, and, like, they're horribly, like, misspelled, they're weird grammar, but at the same time, she has, like, a very clearly proficient vocabulary. And it does read a lot like a smart man trying to write himself like an idiotic, like, poor woman. Oh, no. Oh, that's exactly like Hussey trying to write 
he is the created antagonist. Like he like you had to jam pack it. If like we write Peggy as like pre act five Gamzee of like just kind of like a goofy little nothing character just kind of vibing out and maybe you could make something of it, but you don't have to into the crux of why everything is terrible. Mm-hmm. Peggy murder stucked into Mariah. Peggy murder stucked into Mariah. Yes. Okay, yeah, let's let let's let Lawrence and Philip be the doom and then Peggy and Mariah can be the rage players. Do we have classes for them now? Have we made ourselves wanna help Peggy? We have made ourselves wanna help Peggy. Okay, so what classes do we have left? Because he's been keeping the notes. Um the the good thing about like we it, we've decided it's a scratch session, mm. so Oh yeah, we can like, double up, but I am curious what we have. Yeah, we can double up a little bit. So we have a prince made a night page, a rogue thief, a seer a witch. We do have a bard. We do have Well, we don't have this we don't have the sylph anymore if Eliza's the seer. Mm-hmm. So we could have that, and we don't have... I don't know, I think I'm missing something. I always... Oh, we don't have an air. Okay. Air yeah. could be interesting. We don't have a self air. could be interesting. Yeah, it's just... It's such a barred energy coming off of her. Like, passive invitation of her own destruction. She's just the Gamzee. Mm-hmm. It's like she is a vessel through which the narrative acts. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't get anything from Mariah's per- perspective. Like, we get maybe... Almost not like Peggy, nothing from her perspective really either. Like there's just a couple lines. Like there's there's some voiced opinions, but we don't get after after that, no, nothing from Mariah. Oh it's like Peggy Peggy is literally destroyed uh, by an offstage illness that apparently nobody gives a shit about. And no one gives a shit. They don't even mention like it's just the Skyler sisters. <laughs> Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry it. about it. There's two don't now. Don't worry about it. Because, Pe- oh, this is another situation, to be clear, where it's the same actor. Yeah, no. Yeah, Peggy and Mariah are played this. Oh, my And God. she is part of the chorus of Me, I Loved Him. Which has some strange oh. implications. So I was wondering about that. It does, a little bit. Which, like, Peggy is not really implied to be in love with Hamilton, so, like, I don't think he cared. Yeah, no, no. That's yeah. That's another reason why it's rage. Like the the author cannot care about you and be extremely up their own ass about it to the point where. Okay, so you mentioned voiced opinions and like Peggy does bring some critiques, but they are not ones that are appreciated either by her sisters or even by her society. It's like her problem is with the existence of a war at all and this idea of like why are we engaging in violence? People are gonna die and nobody wants to hear that because it's revolution time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because, like, that could be sort of some self-of-rage activity if you're going to be the kind of self that's like, no, 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 let's not, instead of the self that's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, you're either healing rage or you're healing rage, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, healing rage or healing through rage, yeah. Am I- See, this is a bad for me, though, because I'm a self-of-rage, so now Yeah, I'm no, Peggy. we've gone from Peggy has no personality to Peggy and Momo are the same person, actually. No! <laughs> I have no choice but to stand Peggy now. And so do you, because I said that Peggy has some yeah, lay on no, it. I, I have to adopt her as one of my cat girls. All right, we did it. This is your character arc for this episode. I hope you had fun. I hope, I hope- We had more character development than Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So we've, uh, we were planning on doing a diagnosing the Gamzee section because this is clown town and we assert our supremacy, but we kind of just did it. 
we kind of just did it. We dealt with that. We dealt like the weird sexualization of the character and how the character kind of gets blamed for circumstances that are really more the choices of like people around them. And there's just this object, the pharmacon, all right? The, the pharmacon of Hamilton. The Gamzee is the pharmacon of Homestuck. And the discourse will never be over until I end it myself. The discourse will never be over, and I refuse to end it, actually, because I think people should reckon with it. Okay, good. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, I want people to, to reckon. And so far as diagnosing the Vriska, uh, okay, so here's the thing. Diagnosing the Vriska takes on two roles in my brain. One is, our Hamilton is Vriska, because uh, Hamilton plays the role of that character which demands relevance from the story. They demand the spotlight. Uh... They take a great deal of, like, self-motivated investment into their own narrative. But uh, I'm reading through the traits of Vriska characteristics, and I think I'm going to read them out right now. So we're going to deal with Vriska as a character. A dirty, nasty girl tries very hard to do what she believes is the right thing, does not always do good things in the pursuit of what she believes is the right thing, has a strong desire to be in the spotlight, influenced and groomed by a creepy and manipulative older adult, Compets on some boy, has a turbulent, emotional, close, and fraught relationship with her best friend, who she almost definitely has a crush on. This person does not ever stop believing in or rooting for the Vriska, even if it's in secret, is kind of stupid and obstinate, has a lot of irons in the fire, an explicit fuck you to the idea that women can't be like this. I look at these traits, and for the most part, I see Angelica. I was gonna say, yeah, that's some Angelica energy. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. This is get you're 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 getting dangerously close to putting on that Niku binder and I'm I'm standing here with a newspaper and I'm being like bet, 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 bet. Here's the thing, we're seeing it it's happening again because Clone High is popular again now and now uh I have to see uh oh, no. somebody saying I'm Gandhi Kin on TikTok on the regular. Hamilton is the Vriska insofar as like the Vriska role of the story and like having the Vriska mm-hmm. class characteristics. Angelica is Vriska as a character, which I think we can forget Vriska is. She's not just an aim for discourse. She's a character. She's a character. That's my daughter. That's my spider daughter. Strange, distant niece. This is my relationship with Vriska. <laughs> I want her to do oh. well, but I, uh, she can't come to me for life I guidance. I want her to do well. I want her to do as well as she can. I'll, I'll support <laughs> her. If, if she ends up completely feral, living out of a trailer in the woods, wearing uh, flannel everything, head to toe. You know what? That's okay. That's okay, too. As long as she's happy. Thrive- I, I want what's best for her, but, but her thriving is up to her. I can't do that for her. Tragically, much of Homestuck is discovering you cannot make Vriska do anything. You cannot make Vriska do anything. <laughs> so yeah, we've diagnosed the Vriska. We've diagnosed the Gamzee, which I think is going to be a Momo Rip exclusive segment. No, that's going out there. That's that's going in the episode. People need to know. Yeah, we, they do. They do. They do. Mariah Reynolds Gamzee propaganda. If somebody draws me Mariah Reynolds in like Juggalo face paint and send it to me and does not... Uh, yeah, I we'll kill will kill you. Momo will kill you. I will be grateful in my own way and I'll send it to me. Okay. <laughs> I won't murder anyone. We are not doing a shipping section because God. God, no. God fucking no. God, no. Get the fuck Pitch out of here. Pitch Hamilton. No, God, no. no. Not happening. No, no, no. Who said Who that? Who said that? It's a good thing it wasn't either of us. Is is that I it? Are we done? I think we, uh, let me double check. I th- oh, Dreaming Moons. Do we want to do that? I don't care. 
Britain's uh, Britain's prospect, America's, America's prospect, America's prospect, vice versa. America's prospect, America's prospect, America's prospect. And with that, everybody, thank you for listening. Hope the election um happened. I don't know. Probably. probably. I hope it happens we'll safely. See. Yeah. If America's if America's still there, uh, then your work is unfinished. You still have much work to do, my child. Okay. All right. I'm satisfied. We don't have to duel. We, um, I will never be satisfied. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. All right. Uh, hang on. How do we... Please okay, let this end. Close out this motherfucker. Wait, um, yeah, okay. Um, ten okay. paces. Because the... Okay. The, I think this is how we have to do it. Because, like, the duels are the recurring theme throughout the story. They're They're always there. The, the duel is like this thread that keeps coming up. There's multiple duels. We do we rewrite the uh, the motifs and the and the themes. What's that about? How what's that about? And how is that going to help us end okay, this episode? Okay, so hear me out about this. We're going to count to ten. Okay, perfect. Are we counting up to up uh, to ten? But okay. uh, uh, last sign off. Uh, I've been Riff, and uh, I've I've been Momo, and we'll continue to be Momo, assuming this duel goes well. Uh, <laughs> good night, everyone. All right. One, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I strike him right between his ribs. Hey, thanks for listening. If you got all the way to the end, congratulations! You are joining me and the hosts in Never Seeing Heaven. Please remember to also check out the donate links in the description. We included some efforts related to Puerto Rico and their recovery from Hurricane Maria. Please also keep an eye out for ways you can contribute to your local community as well. It's important to keep each other safe right now. If you like what you heard, please follow us at WillItHomestuck on Twitter. If you want to support the show, check out our Patreon or Ko-fi, both of which are at WillItHomestuck. Don't forget to check out our weekly fanfiction streams at Will at Homestuck on Twitch, and you can even join in our community streams the first Monday of every month. We just had one of those yesterday. We'd also like to thank our class-specting undergrads, I Think You're Pretty Neat and Sylph of Breath, as well as our Dreaming Moon scholars, Fleece, Kylo Ren, Starshine, and Shane for helping out the show on Patreon. If you'd like to get a shout-out on the podcast, access to bonus episodes and outtakes, and more, please visit patreon.com forward slash willathomestuck. This Saturday, we're taking on Code Lyoko with Jet and Bradley. Keep an eye out for that. Catch you later!